Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer, and I'm joined here in the office in Old Hall Street in Liverpool by Kiefer McDonald. How are we, Kiefer? Not too bad, not too bad. Busy day. Busy day, you've got to speak a new side of playing to get our teeth sunk into. Definitely. And at home, having travelled up to Kirby to be at the Jurgen Klopp's press conference, is Ian Doyle. How are we, Ian? I'm OK. Great. Yeah, that's that's very nice. Well, I'll, I'll stick with you, Doyle, um, and get you to say a little bit more than that. Um I've been away I'm very okay. You're very okay, that's good. I've been away for a couple of weeks, Dorley, and, and it's been it's been quiet, hasn't it? Yeah, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened, Joe. You just get you know, just good time just to get your feet up, just yeah, let everybody else just crack on with nothing that's been happening. Especially especially a week ago today. But look, we'll talk about this week and we'll start at the end though and talk about Liverpool's new signing. What are what are you thinking about um Liverpool's new signing? Did you get that one as well? Did you get both references? I'm, I'm just I'm choosing to ignore both of those because I feel as though we don't need the tone lowering any further, especially on your return to this podcast. Don't spare out your drink for anybody who's watching. Uh, who isn't watching on YouTube, uh, Joe nearly had a, a drink incident there. Um, well, let's be honest. At this time last week, was it only last week? Yeah. <laughs> was it really it's only last week? <laughs> this time last week, they'd had a £110 million bid accepted for Casado, even though well, I think we're fair enough to say now that we kind of thought, Liverpool kind of thought that he was going to go to Chelsea anyway. It would have taken a big effort for them to persuade him otherwise, although it did persuade Chelsea to spend all the money on him. Uh, what Liverpool then probably didn't expect is that Romeo Lavia, this, you know, the, the player that they've been chasing for so the last couple of weeks, then also opted to join Chelsea. And, and I saw some of his quotes that uh, on his signing that he said that one of the reasons that he joined Chelsea is because of their history, which does make me think, well... Which history in terms quick, of quick one, history. quick one to, to come in there because we, we discussed this in the office earlier because obviously that jumped out at us. But what's he, Lavia 19? So to him, you know, his, his whole life, Chelsea have been a massive club, haven't they? Hang on, hang on, but then okay, you say past history, Liverpool, recent history, the past five years, oh, also, yeah, yeah. Still, also still Liverpool. So yeah, is it a very yeah time frame between him at the ages of 9 and 14 or something like that. I in mean, his head, though, they're, they're neck and neck. If not, Chelsea are a little bit... The reality angry. is is that he gets paid that much money, he'll say whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's the same for all these footballers. They're not going to join a club and say, I'm not joining this club for this history because they haven't got any, so why am I even here kind of thing? Yeah. So we, we can't really get too upset about that. But the point you're trying to make is that 
even a couple of days ago, I reckon there'll have been most Liverpool supporters would have never heard of Wataru Endo. And funny enough, is that it wasn't a name that's, that leapt out to me until I then had a quick look and went, oh, hang on, I've watched this guy play for Japan. And he played quite well in the World Cup, didn't he? Because they beat, uh, Japan beat Germany and beat Spain, yeah. although in the Spain game, he didn't. He only came on for the last couple of minutes. And he was fairly decent in the next round game against Croatia, which Japan were a bit unlucky to lose, if I seem to recall correctly. So he does have that those credentials. Obviously, he's not played in European competition, so he'll be looking forward to the Europa League this season. And also, there's no you know beating around the bush in this, is that Liverpool, a lot of Liverpool fans will be exceptionally disappointed that this player is coming to Liverpool when they consider the names of the other two that were meant to be coming. However, what you then can, then can say on top of that is that they're buying somebody who has had three years in the Bundesliga, four years actually in the Bundesliga, three three permanently at Stuttgart. Sorry, he's had three at the Bundesliga, he's had four at Stuttgart because he helped them get promotion in the first year. He's been the captain for the last two. He never misses a game. As we've seen, he can cut it on the international stage. So he's kind of pa- passed all the tests that he's ever go- going to. And as Klopp said in his press conference today, he said he's obviously a bit of a late bloomer. I mean, he also said that Luis Diaz was a late bloomer when he signed him at 25. So, you know, how, how long has it taken Endo to, to, to do this? But, you know, at the age of at the age of 30, which, you know, anybody who's reached that age, Joe, you'll have long gone past that mile mark, uh, slam mark, I should say. You, uh, you know, things start to fall off a bit. So, um you know, yeah, in terms of in terms of a, a footballer, though, I think for the position that he plays and the amount of football that he's played in his career, although he's older than Fabinho, it's, he can't really compare them in that respect because Fabinho's been been at the top level for so long and played that many games that we saw last season. He's, he's starting to look a little bit tired, but Endo is a player who, as I said, most fans won't really know that much about. They'll be very curious to see how he plays, but just going off what Jurgen Klopp said about him, you know, he, he's. He's obviously somebody that he's followed all the way through the Bundesliga because Klopp watches the Bundesliga all the time. He's he's, he's German, so he'll have known all about him. And uh, given also the reports that are coming out of Germany from you know, the media there and some of the players who've spoken, they've all said, well, what a great signing this is. The worry for me, of course, and the worry for a lot of other fans is, well, why wasn't anybody else in for him? But then yeah. are people then falling into the trap that, not so much a trap, but this whole thing that you can't buy players who are 28, 29, 30, and expect them to be any and but, but how old's Harry Kane? Is he 30? Yeah. yeah, so he's just gone to I know I'm not saying Endo is Harry Kane, but the point being is that if you are a good enough football, it doesn't matter what age you are, and the club that you're that's buying you thinks they can get a few years out of you, then they'll spend the money. And the people haven't spent that much money anyway. What was it, 16.25 million pounds according to the currency converter today? It was 19 around 19 million euros the deal. So in that sense, it's a bit of a no-brainer. And of course, the reality is Liverpool needed a defensive midfielder. We saw that all the way through the summer. We definitely saw that against Chelsea. And even if he plays to 75% of what he's done for a large part of the time in the Bundesliga, and he plays every single game because he's never injured, which is another bonus for Liverpool, yeah. is that he'll be a benefit to them. And if he just, you know, does a lot of the dirty work and allows the likes of McAllister and Sobersly, the other two new midfielders, to actually play the games that they were bought to play. Then even better for it. I mean, going forward, going forward in terms of like, well, what does this mean for Trent playing at right back? Does this mean he'll still be playing in the inverted fullback? As as that, I don't, I never, don't know whether he's this the new guy and has ever played in that kind of system before. But you know, that's what the training's for. That's what the training grounds for. That's what they're there to do and to learn. But for the for the time being, 
Not sure whether he'll be available for the Bournemouth game yet. He's uh, waiting on international clearance and his work permits. But he'll be playing against Newcastle next week. Next weekend, he'll be there and he'll probably say to him, stay there, mind these lot, and let these others just run off and do what they need to do. And I think Liverpool have missed that because, although I'm sure we'll get onto him a bit more in a, in a bit more detail a bit in a bit, I'm sure Keeper's got some things to say uh, on, on Endos, that he actually scores quite a few goals for a defensive midfielder. I think last season in the Bundesliga, he got five goals and five assists. Now, I think probably Liverpool's entire midfield last year got that. You know, so it, there's going to be a bit of a change in that respect. But ultimately, what Liverpool need is somebody's going to be there, protect the back four, doesn't mind doing it, gets stuck in, can run around. And by all accounts, that's all the things that Endo can do. It's interesting, isn't it, Keith? Because whenever, whenever Liverpool sign or anyone signs any player, you know, the social media reaction's always interesting. And I think when they were first linked with him um, earlier this week, there was a bit of a negative reaction mm-hmm. initially. Yeah. And then when it became sort of, when it became clear that they were going to sign him, then it sort of flipped on its head and suddenly it became like this player that was actually brilliant, no one had noticed and, and Liverpool were doing this clever deal. I mean, probably, you know, I, I think a lot, there's a lot of people that... I don't, I don't think many people will have watched Schalke every week other than Schalke season ticket holders, so I don't think anyone will will really know the truth um, and the stats can be manipulated as we've seen um, on Twitter this week. So I think the reality is that he probably falls somewhere in between. Um, but, Kiefer, do you think it's good? I think Dolly made a good point there about, I think nowadays people people don't like to see clubs sign older players. Yeah. You know, the, Every big club has this transfer policy where they spend a lot of money on 21, 22, 23-year-old players and they don't go higher than that in terms of age. But we've seen before where Liverpool have either not signed anyone when they've needed a certain position and paid for it, or they've signed someone like Ragnar Klavan who came in and did a good job for 18 months, two years. Um, where do you stand on it? Do you think it's, a, it's quite a clever signing for Liverpool or does it all depend on, on what comes next? I think initially I, I, I completely understood the reaction on why people were maybe a bit missed that Liverpool had gone from this time last week looking at Moises Casado and, and potentially Romeo Lavia to then getting this life on the Bundesliga that, you know, people who don't watch the Bundesliga regularly, he's not like a household name, is he? As no. you say, only people who watch Stuttgart on a regular basis or the Bundesliga. You know, would really you know be a, give you a, a real rundown of what you can bring to Liverpool. But then I think you know people who obviously watch far more Bundesliga than than all of us were, were kind of weighing in and saying this is a really clever sign and he brings this this and this. And I think then when when that settles and you hear what Klopp says and say you hear all these glowing appraisals, I mean, we think we well, can see where it fits. And I, I wrote something yesterday for the site, you know, saying that he, he kind of fits the mold of what James Milner was. I know he came on a free you know eight years ago, but he was twenty nine mm-hmm. at the time and a wealth of experience in England international. Um, could play in a few positions, even though he came to Liverpool once by centre field. You can kind of see the parallels, and mm-hmm. you know everyone was crying out for James Milner. Certainly, Jurgen Klopp was fighting his corner to kind of get that extension and do one more year. And I think if he had signed that, no one would have, would have had kind of um, you know anything bad to say. You know, you know what you get with James Milner, and this you know feels obviously he's he's thirty years old. He's not thirty seven, but it kind of feels similar to that. I think also as Dolly says, he probably will. Well, he will play at Newcastle next week. You know, providing. Liverpool get someone in you know, really quickly, but I think also for the remainder of the window, it probably strengthens Liverpool's hands slightly because you know everyone knows that after missing out on Casado and Lavia, that they, they were kind of after a holding midfielder, and we know it's already a, pretty, a market where there's you know there's not a great deal of value. You are pay, paying massively over the odds. You know Casado in 150 million would have been that, but I think now at least Liverpool have given themselves a bit more breathing room. Certainly looking at that trip to Newcastle next week, I mean. That game against Aston Villa in transition, they were. I thought they were frightening and how they went back to front so quickly. And 
you know, you're thinking watching Liverpool last week off the ball, and you're thinking, well, they're coming up against the pace of Isak and Gordon and those mm-hmm. kind of players. It, it could be it could be a worrying afternoon, but now they've got someone who can hold that position, and as Dolly says, it allows the other lads to Bozza and McAllister, who I thought were really bright on the ball at Chelsea, it allows them that freedom to, to actually play the position they were brought in for. But also in negotiations, Liverpool aren't now at panic stations. They have a bit more time. They have, you know, two weeks or, or less till the window closes a little bit more, do a bit more due diligence instead of rushing into a, you know, 80, 90, 100 million pound signing that, you know, might not fit the bill, but, you know, they might necessarily need straight away. So certainly from that aspect, it is pleasing. And, you know, he's, I think the interesting part is that he obviously has played in the Bundesliga too, where I'm sure Stuttgart would have enjoyed more of the ball. Obviously, they were one of the bigger sides in that division. And obviously going into the Bundesliga in recent years, they would have obviously had to alter their game plan slightly. Same for Japan in the World Cup. You know, they were, the minnows weren't there, but they beat Germany, beat Spain. So, yeah, they certainly he certainly would have had to play in different systems and adapted his game. So I think from that it ticks it ticks loads of boxes. It's it's not a huge outlay. Um, you know, I think a four year contract and you know, even if Liverpool were to sell him in two years, you'd imagine having played, you know, say fifty games for Liverpool, his value would probably be somewhere between seven and ten million, which mm-hmm. if you get two good years out of him and you know, he helps, I don't know, a younger a younger defensive midfielder come through and also the likes of Vesetic, Elliot and those who are learning their craft. You, you'd think it's, it's probably a, a decent deal for all parties involved. And I think even today, just hearing what Klopp had to say about him, I mean, it sounds, you know, pretty low, but in terms of just saying that he's got a massive heart and he'll, he'll kick the ball, he'll run around and kind of do all that. That's literally what Liverpool need at the minute. Yes, they, I could say that would have been brilliant, but I think they just need an out-and-out number six at the minute. And you know, this lad seems like he's he's dying for the opportunity and you know he sounds delighted to be playing at Anfield if he does play tomorrow. So, you know, best of luck to him and, and hopefully, like I say, he can can really set Liverpool up now for, for this big game, not only tomorrow if he does play, but also next week at, at Newcastle. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dory, you are an experienced man. Experience is important, isn't it? And Liverpool lost, um, as Keith has just touched on, plenty of experience this summer, especially in that, that middle of the park. Um, so, you know, are you sort of quite happy to see Liverpool sign a slightly older player and break their model? As Klopp said today in, in his quotes to the club website after signing them, it's not, it's not an age range that Liverpool usually sign in. Look, well, first thing, you call them Schalke in Stuttgart. Um Second thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, it's your first day back. We'll let you off. Um, second thing, um, it doesn't really matter how old players are. I mean, okay, let's put it this way this time last year, Liverpool had one of the oldest midfields going, and everyone was worried about it. And now, people at the start of the season are going, Hang on, there's only Thiago who's over the age of 24 as a midfielder, they're not, they're not old enough. 
So I do think we may have lost him. Um, so we'll um, carry on. We'll carry on. We'll carry on. Um, I think kind of what he's probably saying yeah. is that last year they. they Hello. He's back. He's back. You, I, I stayed here. <laughs> You're the ones that disappeared. I could hear you chattering away to yourselves. Well, anyway, going back to what I was saying, this time last year, Liverpool had the, everyone was saying that Liverpool had the oldest midfield, you know, one of the oldest midfields, one of the oldest teams in the Premier mm. League. And there was a lot of concern over that. Um, I think this summer, there's been more concern that's gone the other way, where you've got the likes of. Uh, Somerset's coming at 22, but Setic is getting through. He's 18. Curtis Jones is going to be playing more. He's 22. Harvey Elliott's 20. McAllister's only 24. It meant that only Thiago is over the age of 24. He's 31. So they have been. They've lost a lot of experience with Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Cater. I mean, not all of those played, but a lot. All of those were always around the squad. Mm. So they were able to impart their wisdom on whoever on the youngsters. So getting someone like Endo in, who is you know, he can speak English for a start, so that helps. That won't really need that much acclimatisation in that. And, of course, as we know, he, he played alongside Nat Phillips when he was in the first season at Stuttgart. So he knows he knows a little bit about Liverpool. He's already spoken to, to Takumi Minamino. So I think in terms of the age, I wouldn't be too fussed. I'd be more bothered if all of the players that were signing were that age. But the reality is, if they carry on signing players, all of them are 22, 23, 24, they'll all get old at exactly the same time and then have to buy a load of young ones and it'll just go round and round in circles. So you do need a little bit of variety in the squad. And I don't think Liverpool, while I know FSG like to sign younger players who've got the you know the ability to gain value through the potential and then possibly have a resale of value. I don't necessarily think that Endo's gonna have that. But I do think that he's somebody who can make a difference straight away. He's got that experience and I think just generally speaking, Liverpool shouldn't be afraid of signing someone like I mean they did it with Clavan, didn't they? Mm-hmm. What was it? He was the last player that they bought that was that age. What was that seven seven years ago? And they got a couple of good seasons out of him and got to the Champions League final at the end of one of them. So you'd settle for that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well I want to ask you both um it's been a bit obviously a crazy week. Um and uh, I want to ask you both what you thought of it. There's been a lot of criticism of Liverpool, um a little bit of praise for Liverpool with the the, the recent signing but I mean, in, in my mind, I mean, Schmacker has taken a bit of a battering at times, but I, I don't really know. I think it's difficult. I, I think that obviously, I don't know how highly they really rated Lavia. I think if they really wanted him, I think they really would have put their foot down earlier to get him. And they clearly rated Caicedo quite highly. And, and I think they obviously got a bit of a hint from his camp that he would be willing to go there before being sort of played. Um, Kiefer, what, what do you think of the last week? Do you think it's exposed problems at Liverpool? Is it just a case of bad-looking parts? Yeah, where, where do you stand on it? I think it's just wild, and I think the whole summer has been wild, and obviously Klopp spoke today, didn't he, about the kind of influence of Saudi Arabia, and I know we keep going back to that, but that is a, a real focal point of Liverpool summer, and one that has caused huge disruption. You know, if they were sitting here now with Jordan Henderson and Fabinho in their, in their ranks, and I know they wouldn't have, you know, the 50 million quid extra, but they would have two, you know, senior holding defensive midfielders, they wouldn't be on this, you know, late night scramble kind of thing to bring in a Casado or a Lavia. Um, they probably would have had more rooms to kind of play with Lavia, but, you know, Southampton probably would have budged if, if they knew Liverpool had Fabinho and Henderson. But the fact that they didn't, then, you know, Southampton and every other club knew that Liverpool had money to spend also, but, but also were in desperate need of, of someone and someone quick. As you say, I'm not sure how, um, not convinced by Lavia, but I think given how similar he is to Pesetic, yeah, you know, to go and spend you know fifty eight million, whatever the total package Chelsea agreed on, was someone who, 
you have a very similar like model to in your you know it's come for your academy in recent years and has also displayed versatility and and done really well in a sinking midfield last year i think that that shouldn't be lost and he's probably become a, a little bit forgotten given that he didn't play the last you know game of the season but you know percentage as i say was one of the shining lights of, of that season so i don't think liverpool as clocked today i don't think they're in dire need long term it's, it's literally just kind of the short term that you're really thinking of you know tiago's done a bit in that role by munich in the past i know that was in, a, in kind of a two-man but Setic as well as, as played there last year so it was just kind of getting someone who could come in straight away and that's obviously why they were willing to pay the big bucks for Casado as Dolly says it was a, a different age profile so to Setic he was you know I think 20 what 21 22 Casado so you know, slightly older but also a bit a bit younger than um, the lads that have just coming in and McAllister and as a boss like but I think you know while it's you know, people might say it's a bit embarrassing and that, that Liverpool didn't get Cristiano. I mean, they couldn't have done anything else. I, mean, I, I didn't think I, it was embarrassing. No, I thought, I thought yeah. they, you know, they showed, they, 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 they put the, the, all the cards out there, yes, with the money that they, they had to spend and maybe that prohibited them in, in getting Lavia. But I thought in terms of acting, you know, bullish, what people have been crying out for. Yeah. I mean, last yeah. summer they went for too many, he didn't come and there's no shame in being rejected by, by Real Madrid. And I think now with, with Chelsea and the contracts they're handing out, and, and the financial security that it's offering young players of 19, 20, you know, 21. I, I don't think there's any shame in Liverpool yeah. losing out to that. And, you know, clearly there's a loophole that, you know, Chelsea are exploiting and exploiting well. But, you know, I, I don't see how it can kind of go on long term. And, yeah. and for those kind of players, they're probably never going to be offered contracts at seven, eight years on, you know, 200, 200, 150 grand a week. So I think Liverpool did everything they could to get Caicedo. And as you say, probably got played in the end. But, you know, now... I think you know that lad at Palace is, is someone that the core. I think he, he'll be, be quite okay. Um, again, 23, 24, had a season in the Premier League, has played abroad, got international experience. He ticks the box, has got room for improvement. Um, but I think this kind of signing now is is um, Obendo is a, is a shrewd one, and it's bought them time, which I think you know time is money in football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a difference between 10, 15 million, and also in the immediate, you know next 10 days it could be the difference between six and no points you know now Liverpool have a, a holding midfielder and you can kind of gloss over what you saw in the second half against Chelsea and be like well you know if you kind of complete the full midfield because it literally felt like anyone any you know holding midfielder of any age you know whether it be 70 could have played at Stamford Bridge and Liverpool would have been better for it I just think they got pulled from pillar to post especially in the second half but I think now they've got those foundations you know the, the McAllisters and Sabotage should, should really flourish and, and hopefully we'll see that tomorrow but if not you know, no bigger game than you know Newcastle, who are another team spending big, and Liverpool will be looking to challenge for in the you know the medium to long term. Dory, what have you made the last week? I mean, is it is it just a case of for better or worse in the past several years, Liverpool have always felt in control in the transfer market, even if they didn't sign anyone, it very much felt like Liverpool's decision not to. Is it just a case of this week was a bit chaotic? Well, <clears throat> not sure chaotic's the right word. I mean. With Casado, as you mentioned, he was always going to Chelsea. I think with Lavia, Liverpool had a value on him, didn't want to go above it. So I suppose in that respect, the Casado, I agree, they weren't embarrassed at all. I just think it's just one word. Chelsea have just got so much money they can afford to do that. Quite whether they can do it inside financial fair play regulations, I'm pretty sure we'll find out over time. But uh, I mean, they have just, what is it? The, they're just selling a player for £35 million to, to Newcastle and Lewis Chelsea, Hall. Chelsea are partly owned by Saudi Arabia and Newcastle, are majority owned by Saudi Arabia. So, you know, the, the obviously there's quite a lot of money gone on selling a player who's only what was he 18, has only played 11 games. So, interesting. But uh, I think with 
Liverpool, Lavia, basically Chelsea did what Liverpool can't afford to do. They can pay the asking price for Lavia because Liverpool just haven't got enough money to take a chance on um, on a player like that. If they could do, they would have done. They would have had it done by now anyway, ages ago. But somewhere you've got to say respect to them for for sticking to the. You know, they weren't wavering from the value. They did. They stuck to the the, the policy the the way that they wanted. Don't they? They did agree eventually to pay that money for Lavia. Well, so they did waver in the end. I think it would have been better for Liverpool. Did they definitely, did they definitely have the sixty million bid in? Yeah, well, Southampton said that the one of their um, chief executive. I think he said that they'd accepted the bid from Liverpool. But you get, you do get the impression though that, irrespective of whether that's true, I mean, it's, regardless of that, the player himself probably looked at it and went, "Why aren't they paying this amount of money for me?" If you see what I mean, you just went a little bit, a bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then a little bit more. So, I do think that. Liverpool, I don't blame them for for that one, um, and they could just turn turn around and argue, well, we're going to get this player now for what sixteen and a quarter million pounds, and he'll play all right for a couple of years, and then we can just go and buy somebody else, which is probably exactly what's, what will happen anyway. Well, in terms of buying other people, uh, Donny at the Enkop press conference today, um, he spoke a little bit about transfers, a lot about transfers, <coughs> a lot about Saudi Arabia injuries. Do you want to give us? A bit of a recap of some of the things he spoke about, and then we'll speak about potential next transfers, that sort of thing, um, afterwards. Well, he just said that they're gonna, they're in the market for trying to sign at least one other player. You know, they're always going to look. There's still two weeks to go. Doesn't expect any major outgoings. He says that Saudi Arabia has kind of complicated things a bit. You can see that across the league, and he says that it's a bit difficult when they've got no kind of. Doesn't look as though they've got any restrictions over the amount of money they can spend which of course the teams in europe technically do have because uh not sure there's any financial fair play in saudi arabia not just regards football either so we have to wait and see on that um and in terms of in terms of anything else what did he say what well, they played ball without me so he basically said that the actual football game that's like i guess yeah. played the games that get in the way of the transfer news so yeah he mentioned a little bit about how he spoke quite well of the Bournemouth manager, actually, saying that um, they're expecting a bit of a different kind of test. And he will, well, let's face it, they're not going to win nine nil, are they? So it will be something different for them uh, on Saturday. But obviously, you want to talk about the transfers. So go on. Well, I was going to ask you now: what do you think in terms of the next moves? Do you think do you think they could go for another midfielder to complement Endo? Do you think Endo is the Endo of their midfield ambitions as far as it, this summer is concerned? It, and they were it not wasn't playing. funny when you first did it, and it hasn't got any more funny. Well, um, I don't know about that. Someone else, someone, I know this is one of our excellent listeners commented in the corner. They they clearly enjoy the same sort of thing. And I think you're just jealous you didn't think of it first. No, you? I think everybody everybody thought of it, but they just thought better of actually using it. They yeah. thought, if, if Joe's going to come on, he likes to anyway. so. Well, he has to laugh, doesn't he? He's sat right next to you. Right. Um, <laughs> So, going back to the transfers, I don't think they'll get another midfielder in, certainly not a defensive midfielder. Don't see any points. You're giving it the big up to Endo. Uh, and if he's if he's going to be fit and play, he'll be playing. And then, obviously, then you've got percentages back and then you can move around the other players and give them more opportunities in that position with a bit more security and the fact that you've already got somebody in there who can actually do it. So that'll be interesting to see what happens further down the line, certainly with the League Cup games and the Europa League games. Um I think if they're going to sign anybody, I think they're definitely be in for centre-back. I think they need another one. 
Uh, Nat Phillips hasn't featured at all in the summer, which suggests that he's being prepared to be sold. And we already know that Van Dyke and Matip are both in the 30s. Gomez has been, if not injury prone, then certainly prone to lapses in concentration and that therefore affects his form. Um, and in terms of matter, because he's out of contract at the end of the season, so he's somebody who's going to be, as we're led to believe, he's going to be on the way anyway. So they're looking forward, he, that's the next position that they definitely need to sign a player. So if they're going to bring anybody in, I think it'd be a centre-back. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Do you think Kiefer is slightly worrying in terms of the centre-halves that Liverpool have they spent much of the summer pursuing this defensive midfielder after Fabinho's departure. We've sort of seen the, the names. I mean, it doesn't matter. Let's face it. You know, Sabozlai wasn't someone that was linked heavily with Liverpool before they signed it. Mm. I think you could say the same about McAllister. I think you could say, well, you certainly said the same about Vittorio uh, Ender. Um, so it, I suppose it doesn't really matter that there aren't significant names being linked. But do you think that... Do you think this is... A big priority for Liverpool now in the next two weeks. They don't want to get through to next season and be in the same situation next summer. I think so. Um, I think because you know the way Liverpool likes to, to kind of plan stuff is, is you know do stuff in advance, don't they? We've seen that with yeah. Gakpo coming in, you know, with Diaz the year before last. So you know, certainly to, to bring in it, I always think of Canate and they, you know, looking back on it now, they struck gold with him and kind of his his uh, status and you know, he's another one who kind of went under the radar, didn't it? Like with Upper McCann who was alongside him and. Liverpool made 36 million, but by the end of last season, he was starting in the Champions League final. But yeah. he took, you know, the first certainly the first half of the season, he wasn't playing the Premier League games, yeah. he was kind of playing here and there. Um, and now, you know, last season, you know, barring injuries, he was Liverpool's first choice, and now he looks, you know, central to this new system. So that's kind of the the, the ideal you know, next defender you would bring in someone kind of akin to Canate, who's at that kind of similar profile, who's experienced enough to be dropped in, has got enough games under the belt, as you know. Proven, proven themselves on, on a big stage, but also um, has got room for growth and improvement. Um, and to kind of do that, you would expect someone to, to kind of come in now and then maybe wait the time for a year by the time. And then, you know, by the time Matip you know, does go, if he, if he does go next to someone free, then he'd be ready to step up and, and do it that way. But I agree with you. I think this midfield, you know, the sideshow that has been the last couple of weeks has obviously taken so much of Liverpool's time, you know, and resources as well. You know, people looking sanctioning different moves and trying to you know scout new midfielders so i wonder whether we'll see i agree with Dolly, we need one in but i'm not sure who they'll go for because i still think they need another midfielder i just think to go from you know i think Endo's a great signing but i said it yesterday i don't think he's great on his own i think yeah. he might there's room maybe to be exposed there i think if he's you know seven, does he not buy them the time so he does i think he buy, i mean it doesn't sound like a lot of time but i think he buys them until the end of the window which is you know it's what only 13 12 13 14 days whatever but I mean, prior to that, everyone was saying you need someone in for Newcastle mm-hmm. because, as we saw last year, if Liverpool have a slow start, they then are made to pay for it yeah. for the remainder of the season. So, you know, time is money and money is points, isn't it? Um, so, I still think they need someone. And I think, as I say, it will maybe there's, there's clearly they'll have targets lined up and maybe they're just waiting to see you know, who's going to budge. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Palace have kept a lease there, which was probably unexpected. Yeah. And they've obviously tied him down to a new deal. So, whether they'd be open to, you know, selling to Corey now, you know, even if it's a, an, an inflated fee, it's probably will certainly be cheaper than what it had been if, if Elise yeah. had gone to Chelsea and they'd yeah. already lost Saha. So I think from that they can maybe afford to kind of cap what they've got. New they've got Bournemouth, Newcastle, then I think Villa. I think Villa's after the deadline, isn't it? So they've got the two games now before transfer deadline day. And maybe they kind of 
camp it out and just see if anyone kind of moves. It feels like they might be waiting on Gravenberg, doesn't it? You know, we know yeah. that they've liked him all summer, that they've they've kept him, and that perhaps they're just waiting to see whether Bayern Munich's hands fall. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Because it, you know, very much felt like Liverpool had no negotiation. Um, well, no strong hand for negotiation, mm-hmm. considering you know everyone knew their problems. But now, as I say, they've got someone in short term, and they can you know bluff this as you know this is what's done for the season, or certainly in midfield. Mm-hmm. But then I, I suppose it, it does give them you know an element of to kind of explore other things and, and see who moves. And if they do end up getting you know someone like the Coy from Palace, I then think Endo is really good because as we said, then you've got staggered age profiles. They've they've got lads for Europa League in, in Besetic who you know prepared it again this season you know build him up you don't want to break his body down again you've got Thiago who you know a fantastic player but his body probably can't be trusted to you know to play theory Sunday mm-hmm. and then you've got Endo who can you know maybe do a bit of everything and kind of drop in here and there mm-hmm. in the cup game so I think if they get one more um, I think it, for me it would have to be a midfielder yeah well they do play a football match tomorrow Doyle um, Besetic won't be involved neither with Thiago um, we're not sure whether Endo will be involved just yet. Probably looks unlikely if they didn't get international clearance for him. Um, but I mean, I, I know you've probably spoken about it on length, you know, the pods. Um, but where do you both feel about the, the start of the season? You know, I, I listened to it obviously, I was abroad, watched it, listened to a couple of pods afterwards, and there seemed to be it seemed to really split opinion. But I, I came out of it personally in a very positive mood. Obviously, Chelsea dominated possession at times, and I think Klopp didn't he say, what did he say today? It was an absolute joke having 35% possession. But I, I thought at times there were some really good glimpses of quality. Dolly, where did you stand on it? Um, did, you, did you go in? Did you come out of that game feeling more positive about Liverpool's season, less positive or, or neither? That was exactly the same as when I first went into it, to be honest. I felt as though Liverpool needed a defensive midfielder. Correct. They'd be quite good going forward. Correct. Defensively, there's some issues. Correct. Not convinced on the new formation. Correct. The keeper's quite good, correct. So Chelsea are a bit annoying, correct. Um, Chelsea probably aren't as good as Liverpool, probably correct, to be honest. Uh, although <clears throat> I think that was before they've just made 13,000 signings this week. So I think uh, for them, it's probably slightly misleading their performance. In some ways, then it was a good time to play them. Going to Chelsea away is always a difficult game, especially when you haven't got a defensive midfielder. So to go there, get a draw, I think uh, that'll be a place a lot of teams won't want to go to uh, this season, certainly when they get firing under Pochettino. So for Liverpool, I, I, I mean, I saw lots of people saying Liverpool are absolutely atrocious, terrible, this, that and the other. And it's like, uh, it's the first game of the season. If you're brilliant on the first game of the season, something's wrong for a start because you shouldn't really be doing that. You, should, you, you just you, you just set yourself up for a fall then. And how many times have Liverpool started a season strongly in the past and then just fallen away massively? Not that I'm saying they don't need to get good results, but you know, I think um, I think for a team that's had such an overhaul in midfield, and that was a midfield that had never started a game before for obvious reasons, and two of them were making the two of them were making the debuts there. Um, I thought they did all right, to be honest. There's lots of work to you know things to work on, which we know about. I mean, my only concern is definitely the just the whole structure of that formation went defensively, and I would like to see what happens when Endo comes in and starts playing a bit more, see whether or not that just means they just retreat back to a, you know, normal 4-3-3. Or the fact that, as was mentioned, when he signed, is that not only can he play centre-back, he can play right-back as well. So is he going to be somebody that drops into that right-back when Trent goes wandering off upfield? Could Mm -hmm. be. Then you're going back to that's what Henderson used to do. So from Hendo to Endo, and it's taken us 33 minutes to put that one in. 
So I think both of mine were better than from Pendo's. Not really, because at least mine, at least mine actually was applicable to the, what I was actually saying. You just made yours up. Well, I, I got both. Both of my well, not having that. Not having that <laughs> um, but, but, We'll move on. Uh, you know, to be fair, I, I don't fully agree with what you said about playing well in the first game of the season. Liverpool played pretty well. I remember 2018, they beat West Ham, wasn't it? 4-0. Oh, yeah. um, and, um, didn't win the league, though. Started, so, no, they didn't, but they started that season very well. They finished it very well. And um, they played yeah, very well throughout. But I think what people underestimated going into the start of the season was going away at Chelsea. You know, Chelsea were never going to be the same team they were last season, finishing 12th. They were always going to be difficult to play away from home. And and I, and I thought Liverpool equipped themselves quite well, created some good chances. There'll be loads of players in that squad playing for a place in Pochettino yeah. in two weeks. That's yeah. how we you know futures. Yeah. I think as well, you know, given the events that happened. Crowd you know, up for it. Absolutely. But also the fact that I thought Fernandes was brilliant for them. And if you saw Caicedo inside, yeah. you know, we kind of missed that, didn't we? Because, yeah. you know, we thought it was going to Liverpool off the end time of Chelsea in time. So... If you're going to Stafford Bridge in six, seven, eight weeks' time in the middle of October, November, when they've you know kind of got up to gear and they've got you know, a really good two-man pivot, we saw how important that was when they won the league under you know the Conte, you know the, the two defensive midfielders. So you know, I certainly won't want, want to be going there now. And as Dolly says, it was you know it was certainly questions in in transition and in, in defence. But I thought those you know those caveat reasons yeah. that wasn't there. So yeah. it wasn't as if I was scratching my head thinking why is this not worked or why you know I, I thought Gakpo midfield was, was a strange choice, but one he had to make and. And obviously McAllister at the stick, he can show what he could do going forward. But again, it's not where he's going to be playing for the next you know, 50 games of this season. So, you know, given the performance overall, you know, put it this way, you don't win the, you don't lose the league or lose your top four place by drawing at Stamford Bridge. Do you? I think that's the most important thing. No, I mean, if you draw at Stamford Bridge in two months' time, yeah. you know, depending on the game's rally, you look at that as a good point, don't you? I thought um, Klopp spoke about Sabozlai and McAllister Doyle in his press conference. I thought they both played very well. Sabozlai in particular, I know McAllister made a sublime pass for the goal and, and, and had some really nice highlight moments, but I, I was just really impressed by the way Sabozlai played on both sides, his physical presence. Um, Klopp was, was, was very enthused about both of them, wasn't he, in this press conference? Yes, I was less enthused by McAllister. I think I was one of the few who thought that he didn't, in terms of defensive number six role, I don't think he was particularly great in that. I think going forward, there's no problems, but it's not his position. That's the whole reason why they brought in the defensive midfielder to get them more out of the players that they've signed. So, yeah, so Bosley, I've seen him obviously play quite a few times in the summer, and he loves to he loves to tackle, loves to challenge, loves to press, loves running around. So he's Takes a good corner as well, doesn't he? Exactly. So in some ways, he's a he's a he's a very Klopp signing. So he's someone who's going to play quite a lot. Not the same type of player, but you can imagine that he'll be. He could feel like the Wan Alden role in a in a way, in that he can get around. He's yeah. very, you know, he's very durable. Doesn't seem to get injured very often. Although now he'll probably break his leg tomorrow or something. I've said that. Uh, but, but he and he can play in a variety of positions in midfield. I wouldn't want him as the defensive midfielder, but in all the other positions, he can do it left and right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's pick our teams for Bournemouth then. Um, Keith, we'll start with you. Um, Alison, obviously, goal. Uh, back four, back four as usual, yeah. Trent, yeah. you know, hopefully, if they do get this, this lad in in time, Endo, you know, his job will be made slightly easier tomorrow. Uh, there's no real other obvious candidate. I mean, you certainly won't be starting Joe Gomez at Anfield against no. Bournemouth, I don't think. Um, Van Dyke and Canate, I thought, were, were solid, you know, last yeah. week did well. Canate, especially, Canate especially. Yeah, I mean, the, it's really good. The, down the right hand side, the Gary Doors, covered across a few times, yeah. 
for, for Van Dijk on the left as well. It made a really good block on Sterling. I think mm-hmm. we went through the first half. Um, and then Robertson, you know, still getting used to the system. You know, probably not his, the best football he's seen during his Liverpool career, but you know, certainly deserves the opportunity, you think, after his one game, or well, a type of game where he would flourish. It's, you know, where Liverpool are able to get bodies forward and, and kind of put crosses into the box. And you, know, you imagine tomorrow his role, yes, he'll, he'll be a bit more reserved than Trent will be, but he'll be able to get forward and get that license to kind of go forward again, like we saw in previous years. Is there, there's questions about you. Is there a few question marks about Robertson? I, I do think this new formation doesn't do him any great favours. He seems to have to do a lot of work the other way and whilst he's up to the task at times. I think he looked very overworked at times at Chelsea and I thought their danger often came down the right-hand side. Um, but what do you think of Robertson? I, I just don't know whether that sort of formation favours him in the long term. Well, he's essentially signing in our back three and I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's suited him. I think also last week, I think Chelsea caught the pull out with their formation, yeah. didn't they? They kind of went for back three, back five, whatever you want to call it, and they, they doubled up and Sterling kind of got freed into it. So I think yeah, Robertson was, I think Robertson was kind of, you know, conflicted whether to go or sit off. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of said that about Robertson. I don't think, you know, he's, he's the best defender in the world. I, I think he's obviously sometimes better because of Trent. Yeah. And, you know, Trent typically starts 40 yards higher up. So Robertson's always seen as the more defensively solid one. But he's certainly not a ball-playing defender, no. is he, Robertson? He's very, you know, give it and go, put it in the box. But... Um, I think maybe, certainly not, I, I can't see Liverpool recruiting a, a fullback now, given how much we've got to do, but I think certainly if they stick with this system, which I will be surprised if yeah. they do long term, I think, you know, there is some fair question marks to be had there. Um, obviously, signed a new contract in 2021, so he's another one if you're looking, who does have resale value, um, you know, if Liverpool are looking to kind of raise the pot in, in years to come, but I think he, he probably deserves, given what he's given to Liverpool over the last five, six years, he probably deserves oh. a fair crack at it, doesn't he, over there? Sorry, I wasn't sitting. No, no, I know what you're saying, but I know I just mean the, the wider picture. I think a lot of people have been quick to write him off after a few games, and you know, he'd probably be the first to tell you that he's had to adapt his game. And I know Klopp said it a few times that you know he's had to stand off, and you know, he's a very instinctive presser, isn't he, Robertson? I don't think he's he's one who can sit back yeah. and, and wait for them to come. I mean, you know, the goal in the Champions League final in 2022 was it was it his fault? He came from him pressing out, and he yeah. Valverde, and he got turned, and it came down that side. So I think there's a few examples of it, but. I think at the minute my kind of short term thinking is, is whether Liverpool are going to stay with this formation because I think there's equally as many question marks of maybe flaws or holes with it um, with that at the minute. Is he one Doyle that benefits from an end up? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and find out. I think it's just one of those. Going back to what you said about Robertson, is uh, <clears throat> I think every team needs a scapegoat. Certain certain demographic or type of fans like a scapegoat. And with Henderson and Milner gone, it's Robertson who's getting it next. So. I do think he's been attracting a little bit of that. Uh, he'd have a great game against Chelsea, not particularly. He'd have an awful game, no. Better in the second half. And uh, I just think it's just one of those things. He, I'm pretty sure, if, like all good footballers, he'll be able to adapt, and we'll we'll soon see. But there's no chance that we're going to sign a left back in the next two weeks, so he's going to have to. No, I th- I just think it, it's very interesting this formation. I, I think the probably the answer lies that they will use it sometimes and, and not others, but. If they stick with it for Robertson, it's difficult. If they don't stick with it for, for Trent, it might be more difficult, you know. And, and that, that for those two, I feel like they got very different roles now. When you know, in, in the past, they were, they were very much. I think as well with Robertson, he's you know late twenties, isn't he? You know, we're going to his thirty soon, and you know, as Billy says, not not scapegoating him at all. But I think whilst Trent's what 24, 25, it's you know, you can obviously see the long term vision of reinventing him and getting him as versatile as possible with Robertson. You know, as I say, 29, 30, whatever he is, you know, it's harder to kind of um, sell that as, you know, we're going to we'll invest in this time to 
to redefine him as this yeah. you know new sided left back. I mean, it could well work, but at the same time, it, you know, he's, he's he's probably one of the as I say, not not that they're going to sell him, but you know, if you are looking at people probably next in the you know next to go, he's you know the, the next one, isn't he? The defenders, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, looking at Van Dijk and Matic will probably be on the horizon, but I think Robertson as well. Liverpool do need to in the next twelve to twenty four months bring in another young left back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would be the phasing of, of Robertson out. But as you said, there's, there's certainly plenty to get out before that yeah. happens. Yeah. Dolly, your midfield. Um, I get the defense, yeah. Sorry? I'm so big defense, yeah. I'm so back four, sorry. Yeah, apologies. I just, I just assume that you're going to say the same thing, but go on. Uh, the same thing. And yeah, in midfield, McAllister on the right uh, of the three, uh, Sobersai on the left, and Curtis Jones playing in the middle as the defensive yeah. midfielder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go the same. I'd go McAllister again if he was fit. Uh, sorry, if if Endo's not registered. Um, but I'd go McAllister as the six just because he's done it and he's he's done it last week at Stamford. It feels a bit silly just to, to change. But I mean, whichever way they line up, you know, it's going to be a completely different game. Stamford Bridge. You're going to have more of the ball. Yeah. You can yeah. probably afford to not have a number six in that position. Or certainly, the, the, there's less risk than doing it at Stamford Bridge. So you know, whether it be Jones or McAllister, you know, it's a natural number eight or number ten, whatever you want to call them. Um, but you know, you expect them to. To kind of have similar jobs, wouldn't you? They're all going to be interchanging in that midfield. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think, like Doyle, I didn't love, love McAllister in the number six, but maybe that's just because they were away at Chelsea. And, and I think maybe at home, when you're seeing more of the ball, he might actually be quite nice in that position. Um, so I would put in there, the only thing I would do is I would put Jones on the left and I would put Subosley on the right of, of that three. And, but like you said, they, they interchange a lot and they all seem to have the ability to do that. Um, Forward line, Kiefer? Conflicted. Um, probably go Diaz on the left. Um, not a not slight on Jota or anything, but I, th- you know, I think he was good last week. He worked hard and, and created a few chances. Not, obviously not his best game, but he's been one of Liverpool's best performers. But I think this game is, is probably one where you're looking to get at the full-backs. You, know, you, you don't necessarily need a poacher for this one, I think. Um, and then Gakpo, I'd, I'd go down the middle. I just think he makes Liverpool tick. And yeah. Again, you could probably... You, but maybe argue that Jota's more of a, a natural pick, um, given the dominance Liverpool probably have. But I just think you know Liverpool might just create an overload in midfield and you know, drop somebody and drag a centre half out. Is if it is going to be, you know, uh, you know, it will be a different form of side and managed differently to last season certainly. But you know, you'd imagine they'd take a punt for kick off and they're going to make Liverpool work for the goals and the three points. So I think Gakpo could be you know the, the kind of the key to unlocking that mm-hmm. defence and and then I'll have Salah on the right. Yeah. What about your three, Dordi? Um, he has on the left. Uh, Gakpo down the middle wasn't particularly great against Chelsea, and I don't want Gakpo in midfield again. And on the right, Salah. Yeah, agreed. Um, similar reasons. <laughs> I, I, I find Jota hard to work out because he, he, he's worth his weight in, goal, in goals, um, but at the same time, I find him so sloppy. And you know, Klopp talked today the names press conference story about the way Liverpool use possession, and I find Jota just incredibly sloppy in possession. Constantly thinking about going forward, even if he's on his own half on the halfway line, and I just prefer Gakpo because, like you say, I think he brings Liverpool together better. I think he holds the ball better. I think he uses it in a better way than than Jota. But then again, there are arms. Think if you're playing away, and you know, I'd be probably more inclined to play Jota off the left. I just think where you get in the pressing as well. You know, we know Klopp said about the pressing. Certainly, it's it's an extra layer of defence for the midfield, and while that hasn't been no all signal dancing this summer. I think you know there's been an extra emphasis on on the kind of 
attacking presses other from three. But I also think if you are playing, I always think of Tottenham a few years ago when when you didn't get a kick for half an hour and you scored yeah. a header. And I just think if you're playing a big six team where you know chances are going to be of a premium, I think that's when that's when you judge your best bet. But then I also flip it and think if you're searching for a goal, you know, at, at home, you know, if it is a hard game, a hard fought game, one one heading into the last 20 minutes awesome. from, yeah exactly yeah, i think he yeah. makes the biggest impact but yeah. i think gapo is, is is the one at the minute i yeah. think he's probably undroppable if he's... i think liverpool play better for me overall with, with the gapo yeah. in the team and, and Jossa, i don't know I've, ne- I've never been fully sure about him even though he does score a lot of goals um yeah and um your prediction story prediction three one to liverpool a very positive in the prediction that's good two now Two yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to say three one as well to Liverpool. So there you have it. Um, hopefully, uh, first win of the season for Liverpool tomorrow. Um, we'll be back on Monday to talk Bournemouth, to talk potentially more transfers and more besides. See you then. Throughout. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.